Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, this month's Roundup is brought to you by Fun Again Games. And hello. Maybe even Happy New Year, depending on when you're watching this, although I'm actually filming this on the 30th, so we're not quite there yet, but we are so close to making another full circuit around the sun, and somehow we made it. Uh, 2021 was certainly a very tumultuous year, but I am not here to talk about that. Actually, if you want, uh, just a week ago, I did talk about 2021 at length in my top 10 games of 2021 preliminary edition, although as it turns out, it was more like a top 42 because I just couldn't stop once I started going. Anyway though, today we are not looking back. 2021 is over except for one thing, the month of December. Here's where I will give you the rundown on all the games my wife Jen and I played and you'll also get to hear from Shay uh, because he covered a game for the channel as well. So without further ado, let's uh, let's go over to Shay. Shay, take it away buddy. Hey folks, so I only played one game this year. I was really busy. I had a bunch of uh, side projects. I also went to PAX and just holiday stuff in general. So only played one game, but that's okay because I got to play one of my favorite games of all time. This one right here, Spirit Island with the Jagged Earth expansion. Now I will shout this off the rooftops. I'll tell anyone who wants to listen about how good Spirit Island is. Uh, and And Jagged Earth just adds a lot more of what makes Spirit Island great, mainly the spirits. Um, so Spirit Island is a cooperative game where you're playing as these spirits who are protecting the island and its native inhabitants from colonialist invaders. And so to do that, you uh, have these you know magical powers and employ, if you have the expansions, employ a bunch of uh, different natural elements as well. So what Jagged Earth adds, a couple little things, this is some new tokens, some new powers, uh, you know, some more boards if you want to play with five or six players. But what it really adds, the, the real reason you buy it is because it adds eight new spirits. These are wildly asymmetric uh, player, uh, player boards you know, that give you different player identities. And they completely change the way you play. They have uh, you know, different strengths and weaknesses, but the abilities themselves, that they, the way that they play is so different from spirit to spirit that this game, it, it makes this game just endlessly replayable for me. I feel like I could grab two random spirits, you know, maybe a random adversary or something like that, and I would always, every single time, have a different game. This game is endlessly replayable, and it and because it's one of my favorite games, I will happily replay it. This game will stay in my collection forever. I am, I'm going to say it right now, this game is never leaving my collection. I, I know that for a fact. There's two games that I can tell you. I know for a fact, never leaving my collection. This is one of them. So that is the game that I covered this month. If you want to check out the run through, uh, please do. Or I also taught Spirit Island uh, on my channel, RTFM. It's a while ago. I taught this game and Branch and Claw. Um, not Jagged Earth. Honestly, I don't think it needs a tutorial, but um, maybe I'll do it someday. But if you want to learn how to play, I think those are good. Um, resources. But in any case, I'll pass it back uh, to you, Rado. But first, I'll just say happy holidays, happy new year, and thank you all for watching. Uh, But like I said, back to you. 
Okay, never say never, man. I feel like now I need to check in to like an 85-year-old Shay far, far in the future and ask him, so how's that uh, Spirit Island holding up? Because that's a pretty strong statement, never say never. But I don't blame him. I mean, Spirit Island is amazing. And I was so happy that he was able to do a coverage of it because I actually covered it many, many years ago when I had a really ugly prototype. And that video has gotten tens of thousands of views and always drives me nuts that there's not a good-looking, nice, professional presentation of the game on the channel. So when he was able to cover Jagged Earth, which, uh, by the way, just went live this week, so definitely go check that run throughout so you can see why Shay will never, ever get rid of Spirit Island. Well, anyway, uh, long story short, thank you, Shay. Uh, Shay will be back next month. He's got, uh, in the new year, he's got definitely more stuff coming. And uh, speaking of which, if you'd like to know what's coming in the new year, you can hit that eye up in the top right corner of the screen and go to the Coming Soon page, where I do my best to anticipate what we'll be doing in the coming weeks on the channel. But all that out of the way, it is time to move on now to what Jen and I played. And I break this into two halves. First, I'm going to talk about some expansions. We played expansions for the first time in quite a while this month. And then I'll actually get into standalone games. And these are both going to be countdowns, starting with my least favorite, ending with my most favorite. So let's get going, first of all, with my least favorite expansion of the month, which sounds bad, but it's not quite that bad. It's Mystic Veil Harmony. And I've got to say, both my wife and I love Mystic Veil, which is the card crafting game from AEG and designer John D. Clare, where it's a deck builder, but instead of building up a deck, your deck always stays the same side, and instead you're upgrading the cards inside your deck. It's always been brilliant. We've always enjoyed it. Plus, it's a really cool little push-your-luck game as well. And I finally got Harmony, which I've had for a couple of years to the table, and Jen loved it. I thought it was great. I think the main thing this new expansion adds is it just makes the game a bit more easy going. It's much easier to avoid curses now, and uh, the game just becomes a little bit more laid back and maybe harmonious. I, I think that's kind of the overall theme that's going on here. And my only problem with it was it almost made the game too easy. For the first time ever, and Jen and I, we played this game a bunch, Jen was actually able to play her entire deck without busting, without spoiling. At which point, she pretty much won the game, because I was still lucky I'm in Norville. And I do worry that in a two-player game, where Jen got very lucky with drafting some cards, because every time one of these cards that got rid of Cursed Lands came out, I was not in a position I could get it. Jen grabbed all of them, and next thing you know, she's able to play her entire deck. And it got a little out of control then. So... I suspect that wouldn't happen at higher player counts because if multiple disease come out, players are all going to gobble them up instead of one player monopolizing them. But that was a problem we had in two-player. Doesn't mean we didn't still have a great time, but that's why Mystic Veil Harmony comes in at my number five of the month. Then we move on to number four, Marvel Champions, The Hood. I finally, it's been months since I played some Marvel Champions. In fact, I've got a backlog of content, and I finally sat down and did a onesie-twosie. I took my number four expansion, The Hood, which is a villain expansion that you can play against, and went up and tried to take down The Hood with War Machine, which is my number three expansion for the month. War Machine is a hero that you can play as. Rodney Rhodes, uh, you know, Iron Man's best friend in the, uh, in the MCU, if you're familiar with them all. Anyway, though, I thought both of them were great. I really liked War Machine. Very cool new take on the character. Constantly as a soldier, you know, just completely decked out with, uh, with you know, 
machine guns and, and rocket launchers and all that stuff, there's this new concept of having to build up ammunition and then spending your ammunition over time, which nobody else has really done. Very, very cool, very thematic, really interesting strategically. Uh, and then going up against the hood, I enjoyed the hood, my number four, which is basically... A uh, you know a villain who is very dynamic because over the course of the game the villain keeps bringing in random henchmen that join and you can't really predict what way is this game going to evolve. So I like that idea, but in practice it didn't seem like I mean it almost felt like oh I know all these things are coming in, but the game could have just started with all that randomness. So I like the idea; it just didn't feel as strongly thematic as I would have. Plus, I gotta say to the developers of uh, Marvel Champions, could we maybe take a break with the surge keyword for a while? Does anybody enjoy surge? Because it really feels like you're leaning on it a lot more and more and more and um, it's just not fun you know make the individual cards more powerful it is anyway that's just my two cents that's why uh, Hood came in at four War Machine came in at three really liked it quite a bit but then we move on to my number two expansion of the month The Lost Ruins of Arnak Expedition Leaders and oh my god I, I, I cannot stress just how important an expansion this is because I really dug Lost Ruins of Arnak but I said at the time when I covered it, uh, yo, this is a, uh, a big, sprawling, big board adventure deck building game where players are racing to find treasure, but also unearth ancient secrets from lost civilizations and all that. Very Indiana Jonesy type stuff, but done really well. Actually, really implemented in a, in a very um, socially conscious way that I really appreciate. So anyway, Lost Ruins of Arnak is great. My only complaint with it was it kind of felt like the original box of Dominion. I like it, but I know I'm going to run out of stuff here. I'm going to need more cards. Um, welcome to Expedition Leader, which adds a bunch of new cards that do a bunch of really cool stuff. And that's what any kind of deck builder needs for its long-term health. And so I'm happy to see Expedition Leaders delivers there. Now, that's all I wanted. But what really blew me away were the Expedition Leaders themselves. Each time you play, you can pick one of several different uh, leaders, which gives you a custom starting deck instead of a general starting deck. And each one of these leaders is so different. They really changed the gameplay up a lot. And um, Jen and I were really blown away by how fresh and new the game felt every time we tried a different one. Really, really impressed. I mean, I would say Expedition Leaders... I don't say this that often about expansions, but in this case, this is a must-have expansion. If you have Arnak and you like it or love it, you have to get this. Because this took Arnak out of my um, top 150 games and brought it well into my top 100. It really bumped me up in my overall appreciation for the game because Expedition Leaders is so fantastic. And it was my number two expansion of the month. But there's one more. My number one expansion of the month is Tapestry, Arts, and Architects. Now, I love Tapestry. And I know Tapestry is a bit of a Marmite game. Some people love it like me. Some people say it's just uh, it's an overblown hype bag of a game. And uh, I don't know what to say to those people. I'm very sorry you cannot enjoy this wonderful, super-duper, uh, smooth, elegant, streamlined civilization-building game. One, it's my second favorite civilization-building game of all time. And uh, yeah, I'm always down to play it, as is my wife. And uh, there's so much variety. I know some people are upset with the initial balancing of the game, but that stuff has been largely addressed. And you know, just kind of like how sometimes video games need patches to address some balance issues. Uh, to me, it was totally fine. Uh, I'm just too busy having fun. to. W I don't care if I win or lose. I just want to have fun playing the game. And Tapestry has always been amazing. But Arcs and Architects, uh, again, like leaders for Arnak, really 
elevates this and bumps it up quite a bit in my overall rankings because what it does is it adds a fifth track. In the original game, you can focus on your military, on your technology, on your exploration, and on your science. Now, your fifth track is the arts. And no surprise, my wife, who is a professional glass artist, loved that. Um, so thematically, we were certainly in in a big, big way. But you know, uh, you know, thematic uh, fondness aside, this arts track really uh, mixes up the game. I mean, uh, the game also comes with a ton of new cards, a ton of new civilizations, uh, a ton of very cool ideas. Probably my favorite just mechanism overall that I really appreciate is with this expansion, you have things to do with all those really wonderful little buildings that you build other than just fill in a grid. They can be used in all kinds of ways. And that is awesome. That really broadens the game and makes what was already one of my faves of all time even higher ranked. Uh, again, you know, like Arnak, this is a, a must have ex actually no tapestry doesn't need an expansion so i can't say it's must have I mean, arnak really needed it tapestry doesn't need it but oh i am so happy to have it and i can't imagine i would ever play without my number one expansion of the month tapestry arts and artifacts okay this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. And now, folks, we're going to move on to the countdown for games. Uh, of the month, starting with, at the top of my list, my number 12, Imperial Steam. And I, some of you are out there saying, what? Maybe you're throwing stuff at your screen. Maybe you're unsubscribing on the spot. Let me explain. Let me explain. This is definitely the definition of a, it's not you, it's me, Imperial Steam, because this game is absolutely brilliant. It's incredibly heavy. It might be the heaviest Euro game that my wife and I played this year, and it pulls it off. This is a a, a brass Birmingham 18XX, you know, one of those style games where you're generating goods, laying track, running your operation, dealing with investors to try to deliver stuff that you make in one city to another city on the rails that you have laid. We've seen this done in so many games. I mean, this is such well-trodden ground. Imperial Steam really mixes up the core formula in a lot of ways. There's a lot of really interesting new ideas here. And probably the most important one is the way it handles investors. Because this is a very, very tight game. Money is so hard to come by. And if you make mistakes and bankrupt yourself, you could ruin your experience. But if you play smart, one of the ways you can make money is through getting and drawing investors to your uh, enterprise. But the thing is, to get that money out of your investors, to actually sell them shares, because the first step is get them interested. But then if you sell them your shares, what happens is you get that influx of cash based on your current share price, which is something you can control. But then you put them off in a little bucket off to the side. At the end of the game, they're going to need dividend payments. And what that means is for every investor you sold your shares to, to get that influx of cash, at the end of the game, you lose 10%, a flat 10% of your final score. So if you actually sell to 10 um, investors, you will literally lose 100% of your score. You will score zero points, which money is points in this game. This is so brilliant. I It feels real. It feels... It's so tension-filled. It's an absolutely amazing idea because make no mistake, you will do it and it will make you sweat. But yo, hey, if I do it and you do it, oh, we both did it once. 
but I feel like I need to do it a second time. Am I ready to give up 20% of my final score to get that cash I need right now to finish building this factory so that I can ship the stuff to that city before you ship that stuff to that city because we're both racing to get that bonus? It might be worth, you know, killing all the birds in the bush to get this one in the hand right now. And I think it's brilliant. But... As I mentioned briefly, this is a cruel and harsh game. If you make mistakes, you will regret it. There's no safety net. This game can really mess you up. And it's also a very, very heavy game. So it was just a little bit too much for me and Jen. I appreciate the brilliance of the design. So much so that next month, uh, in the new year, I'm going to have Shay do a run-through of Imperial Steam so everybody can see just how amazing it is. But it comes in at number 12 on my list because it was just... Too tough, uh, rough and tumble. As much as I appreciate the design, like I said, it's not you, Imperial Steam, it's me, my number 12 of the month. Then we move on to number 11. Super Mega Lucky Box um, from Phil Walker Harding, if I recall correctly. And the reason I was curious about trying this is because recently, Rel Gaviola in the R&R show that we do every week, uh, we had a top 10 games to take to family gatherings, and he listed this, and he really sold me on it as a roll and write that comes closer to traditional bingo than just about any other roll and write out there, but still turns it into a really interesting and satisfying game with a lot of you know compelling decisions to make all the way through the game. And so Jen and I tried it out. We were both very impressed by it. We both really liked it. And I completely agree with Ruel. This is the epitome of a game that is easy to take and um, you know show to first-time gamers and try to slowly convert them to the dark side. Come and join us. This is a great, great gateway game. And Jen and I really appreciate it. That said... It comes in at number 11 because uh, while it has that great use, and I would certainly enjoy playing it any time, there are so many other Roland Rites that are so much heavier and richer and deeper. You know, your Hadrian's Walls, your Fleets, the Dice Games, um, your Pandoria Merchants. If I'm going to play a Roland Rite, I want to play something a little bit heavier. So this has a use. Um, you know, I would play this with my niece and nephew. I would play this potentially with my mother-in-law. Um, but just me and Jen, as hardcore gamer geeks, it's just a little bit too light for us. So the brilliant Super Mega Lucky Box comes in at number 11. Then we move on to number 10. Evolution, uh, evolution New World. And now bear in mind, this was a paid preview for a game that's going to be launching on a crowdfunding in January. And I'm going to be doing a preview video of it then. Uh, so bear that in mind. But let me tell you, folks, we have another. This is the third in a row of It's Not You, It's Me Evolution. I have always thought Evolution, ever since the first time I played it back, I think in 2013 or 2014, is a brilliant design. And it's gone through a lot of branching paths. This game has evolved as it has um, you know, been licensed out to other publishers who have done completely new takes on it. And uh, what we finally have here, Evolution New World, is the original development team coming back what, almost a decade later, making a completely new revamped version, adding so much cool new stuff. Really interesting new evolutionary traits you can uh, give to your prehistoric creatures, which is what we're trying to do. This is a dog-eat-dog -dog simulation where I'm trying to have creatures evolve to survive as best they can in prehistory, either by um, you know uh, harvesting from the land or harvesting from my opponent by going carnivorous and eating all of your creatures and stealing all of your points. And that's the problem that I've always had with evolution. I've always tried 
every iteration of this come out. I have always thought it's brilliant, and it's just gotten better and better and better over the years as it continues to evolve as more and more designers put their stamp on it. And now, here's... Um, we got this new one. I think it's the best iteration of Evolution Next. But it's, as always, too hardcore and in-your-face and dog-eat-dog. So much of this game is all about me trying to destroy you and trying to protect myself because, you know, hey, if you shoot first, then your carnivore will eat my carnivore before my carnivore can eat your big, fat, juicy, whatever it might be. So, this is a big part of the game. It's a little too harsh for me and Jen, but here's the thing. Good news, everyone. You'll be able to find out more about this when the game goes live, uh, or, you know, in crowdfunding later this year. And at that point, my run-through will go up as well. I just described the basic game. Finally, after almost a decade, what I've been waiting for, solo and co-op play are coming. Now, I haven't gotten a chance to try either of these modes yet, but I suspect if I had, this would have gone from my number 10 of the month to probably my number 3 of the month. Because Evolution has been and continues to be one of the best modern designer card game systems ever. Anywhere. I mean, it stands toe-to-toe with your Race for the Galaxies, with your Rays Arcanas, um, with your Terraforming Mars. This is some of the best card play you'll ever see. If you enjoy head-to-head dog-eat-dog. If you don't, you might want to check it out when it goes on Kickstarter anyway, because if you're a Care Bear like me, co-op is coming. And so I'm so excited about that. But for now, you know, just playing the basic rules, uh, Evolution New World's my number 10 of the month. Okay, then we go on to number nine, Blazon, which is another paid Kickstarter preview. This, uh, my run-through for this will be going live when it goes live on Kickstarter, I think maybe next week, if I recall correctly, maybe in two weeks. Anyway, though, this is another very, very cool card game. Uh, there's two halves to this. It's got a very interesting card draft system because what we're trying to do is emblazon all of our family crest by playing these cards to shields and following the true, real historical rules of heraldry. Uh, apparently, a lot of folks was put into the development of this game to be to honor and be true to this medieval and renaissance era art form that we are actually practicing um so half of the game is drafting getting the right cards in your hand the other half is getting them played to your shield but there are some very interesting and challenging restrictions the most important one is when you play a card to your shield you have to align it up or down and that alignment thereby affects every other card in that row so i might want to put my second card lower aligned but my first card upper aligned if i do that first card upper aligned i can't do it with second unless i want to break the rules and then suffer a huge penalty. Uh, but I could break the rules temporarily. This is a really interesting thing. Unlike most most of these kind of card slash tiling games, you put the thing down, that's it. You live with it till the game is over, you get your final score. One of the things that's most brilliant about this, you put the stuff down. You hit whatever achievement, whether you're trying to have fidelity or whether you're trying to be noble or whatever. You score those points for getting this, even if you break the rules to do it. And then later on, as you get more cards, you can override your previous things. It's like you can paint over your mistakes. And I love it. Now, this is really restricting, and it's hard to pull off, and the timing is tricky, but it gives you this whole extra level of complexity that takes this above and beyond a typical, um, you know, uh, three by three, lay all your cards out in a grid thing. The fact that you can make mis- you can purposely make mistakes to get short-term games, but then fix them later if you can get the right cards to do it. And it's a gamble. And there's a lot of very, very cool stuff going on in my number nine of the month, Blazon. Then we go on to number eight, Azul Queen's Gardens, which I'm just going to come right out and say it right now, folks. I believe I played every iteration of Azul, including the original one, and this is the best Azul has ever been. 
And I'll tell you why. One name, Castles of Burgundy. This is Michael Kiesling revisiting uh, his super mega hit. I mean, Azul is one of the biggest hits of the last half a decade. And with good reason. The original Azul is a brilliant design. There's been really interesting takes and updates and tweaks. Some are very cool. Some actually maybe aren't quite so cool. But for my taste. The Queen's Garden is so much better because you still have the same basic Azul tile drafting. It's been modified a little bit, but the same basic idea of how you get your tiles comes in. But now you take those tiles and you put them in a queue uh, that feels straight out of Castles of Burgundy. And on future turns, you then place those out onto a growing hex board that feels straight out of Burgundy. Um, and so, Azul meets Castles of Burgundy equals yes, please. This is absolutely fantastic. I'm not a big fan of abstract games, and Azul has always been a relatively abstract game, but I really enjoyed this, because Castles of Burgundy is one of my favorite games of all time. So, bringing these two great tastes and seeing how well they taste together is really fantastic. The only reason it doesn't rate higher, this is another one that would have easily made my top five of the month, but when I rate stuff, I also take into account my wife's um, predilections, and she thought it was cool but she, I'll be honest, she preferred she would have preferred to play regular Azul. Uh, she just felt... Uh, it's interesting. I would say maybe the biggest thing that hardcore Azul fans might find a little lacking in Queen's Garden is it's a little bit more forgiving. It's not quite so hardcore. Um, you can get stuff and put yourself... You're less likely to put yourself in a spot where, oh, wow, I'm really in a bad scrape now. In this game, as you draft things, you might make some mistakes, but don't worry, you'll find a good use for those tiles later. It's a little bit more laid back, which is interesting. For me, that's also kind of a turnoff, but here, the burgundy is so strong that I absolutely adore it. And again, for me personally, it rates much higher. But combined with my wife, it comes in at number eight in a very, very good month. Of course, the last month of the year is going to be nothing but really great stuff because I'm playing some of the best games that have come out. And so Azul, Queen's Garden, makes my number eight. Okay, then we go on to number seven, Sriracha. Now, this thing came out of nowhere. I was contacted by the publisher in Thailand, and I said, sure, send me the rules. I get contacted by publishers around the world all the time asking, would you cover our game? And um, I read the rules, and nine times out of ten, I say no, because either it wouldn't be a good fit for me in Jen, or because I just look at it and say, oh, I just don't think that's a very good game, or whatever it might be. So Sriracha contacted me, and I took one look at it and said, oh my gosh, I have to try this game, because the combination of mechanisms is just right up my alley. I have talked many times about how in love I am with entangled drafting. You know, the idea that, hey, on my turn, I've got to take a bundle uh, from all these options that combines one thing with another thing. And I want the one thing, but I don't want the other thing. That entwined or entangled drafting is brilliant, and it's so good here. Because what you're doing is you're grabbing a ship card that brings in good construction goods you need to build buildings, and you also, at the same time, grab a... Uh, a, 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 a a blueprint to let you build buildings. Because what we're trying to do in this game is get the goods to build buildings to score points. It's a very simple, streamlined game. I mean, in fact, I mean, I, I mentioned in my run-through, this feels kind of like in the same zone as Lost Cities or, um, or Azul or uh, Sagrada. Really simple, elegant rules, but surprisingly deep gameplay. Because there are a lot of compromises. I take this ship because it's got the resources I need, but it gives me a blueprint that I can't build right now, but i got to get this thing built. Because if you build up and you don't get your blueprints built as they come in, you start suffering huge penalties. But the other thing is, when you build those blueprints, you get bonuses that will help you combo string into other builds. And this game is really satisfying. You'll have to watch my run-through to see why, but both Jen and I were very, very impressed in this is definitely a keeper for us. My number seven of the month, Sriracha. 
Then we move on to number six, Savannah Park. Oh my goodness, uh, Kramer and Kiesling. Every time they get together, they make magic, and Savannah Park is no different. This one just barely missed, uh, if I recall correctly. Uh, no, no, it was in my top 20 of the year. Didn't quite make my top 10, but uh, that is no slight against it because it's such a beautiful elegant puzzle. Um, what you do is you set the game up. Everybody has their own board full of little tokens that represent, that have a bunch of uh, savanna animals. You know, giraffes, rhinos, zebras, and, you know, um, impalas, antelopes, I'm not quite sure, ostriches. And uh, the tiles have combinations. There might be a tile that has an ostrich and a giraffe. And, there might, and there's another one that just has an ostrich. There's one that has a giraffe. You, everybody has the same tiles and they put them randomly on their own board so they have the same layout. And then... When gameplay starts, I pick a tile. I pick my elephant ostrich tile. And I pick it up from where it is on the board, randomly where it was placed, and I put it in one of the empty spots. Everybody else has to find wherever they have that tile and do the same thing on their board. And I guarantee you, their board is very different than my board. And then my turn is over. And then you do the same thing and you say, okay, I'm going to grab this um, three triple zebra tile and I'm going to move it. And now, I don't want to move my triple zebra tile. My triple zebra tile is in a really good place. You're going to make me move this thing? And the tricky thing is, what we're ultimately trying to do is get groups of the same animals together. Because your biggest group of elephants, your biggest group of zebras is going to score you points. Especially if you can we um, put in uh, watering holes amongst them. So, the trick is, you are trying, you're basically playing this kind of shuffling tile game. Picking things up, moving them out of the way, so that other things can go where you want them to go. And you have to do so much long-term planning in this game. It's so simple. I could teach the rules to you in less than two minutes, and about halfway through the game, you say, Oh my gosh, this is so deep! There's so much I have to consider! And that's my favorite kind of elegance, and that's what Kramer and Kiesling do so well. Um... Actually, uh, Ruel Gaviola, my co-host on the R&R show, every once in a while we do an RVR show where we stream playing each other uh, in a competitive game. We're going to be playing an RVR of Savannah Park. I've got to put half of the game into the mail so I can send it down to him, and I cannot wait to play him because my wife has been destroying me, and I want to have a chance of winning. But anyway, Savannah Park is brilliant. Uh, Kramer and Kiesling at their best. It's my number six of the month. Okay, then we go on to number five, Gutenberg. Now we're getting into the really high-level stuff, folks, because Gutenberg made my preliminary top ten games of 2021. There's still some games from 2021 I haven't gotten a chance to get my hands on, so there might still be a few of them out there. It might not ultimately make it, but still, such a brilliant game. And the reason I love it, there's a lot of reasons I love it. I love the subject matter of running an early Gutenberg-era printing press. I love the historical attention to detail. Um, I love reading all the history about how women who ran their own printing presses at this time, uh, the troubles they had to play. Uh, I love the special powers everybody gets, depending on which character you play, which are, again, all based on real people. I, I love the um, simultaneous action selection. One of my favorite mechanisms of all time is everybody decides up front, right, how much initiative am I going to put towards all these different actions? Will I be able to get what I need to get, or will somebody else beat me to it? I, you know, and everybody reveals at the same time. I always love that. But I, above all of that, what I really love is those sweet, sweet gears that represent investing in my printing technology. I snap them onto my board, and I give myself a Zolkin style. A Zulkin the Mayan Calendar style little clockwork puzzle that every round I rotate all one or two or three tiles I've got, and that creates a unique combination of bonuses I can use for that round. And when I go to the next round, I'll rotate them all, and then all three gears will have a different combination of stuff. So the planning you have to do once you've got two or three gears, trying to get them in sync so they'll give you the right combo of bonuses at the right time is brilliant. And it's a lot of fun. It's got great production value. 
I, I'm confident that this will make a lot of people's uh, best components of the year because um, you know the way you invest in being able to print more books is you get these uh, letter blocks. And these are real wooden letter blocks that could be used on a real Gutenberg era printing press. They went so above and beyond. They could have been just little cardboard chits, but they're real wood that you could actually use. It's amazing. Everything about this game is great. Jen and I both absolutely love it. It's my number five of the month, Gutenberg. Okay, but now let's talk about number four. Coca Pelli, from my favorite designer of all time, Herr Steffenfeld. Although, I wouldn't blame you for playing this game and saying this is not a Steffenfeld game. This feels like nothing the man has ever done. And it's true. And that's one of the things that makes me love it so much. It's Stefan Feld. After, I mean, I've got, I think I've probably 30 of my 400 games are his designs. He's my favorite designer. And he can still surprise me by coming up with something so far out of the blue. This is a game of celebration. It's a very smart card playing game where we're trying to play cards to start celebrations in our village that will give us special powers. The trick is, once I start a celebration, you, my neighbor, can play, if you've got the right cards, you can play those cards to my celebration and finish it. And then you'll score points. I'll get some passive points and my special power will be gone. And that may sound like, some people think that's a really mean game. It's a mean-spirited game. I don't think so. Because the trick is, to finish a, um, to, to finish a celebration, you need to play four matching cards to it. In my deck of cards, I only have three. And then I have a few wilds that can go towards any celebration. So it's impossible for me to finish all of my celebrations. And sometimes I want those celebrations out of the way so I can make room for new ones because I've got an even cooler special power. So sometimes I'm really happy if you finish this thing because I can't finish it and it's just wasting space and slowing me down. It's a brilliant design with all kinds of interplay between the player to your left and to your right. And uh, it also works really well as a two-player game. Now here's the interesting thing. I covered Cocapelli when it was on Kickstarter a couple of years ago. And I loved it then as well. And um, and it makes, by the way, my top 10 games of 2021. The two-player rules have actually changed in some pretty significant ways since I did my original prototype run-through a few years ago. And I had read on BoardGameGeek a lot of people who watched my old video said, we do not like the new two-player rules. We wish they had left it alone the way it was in Rado's old video. And I thought, well, geez, okay, I guess I got to try this. I got to see what's the change. And I agree. It's a big, big change. I don't agree that it's a change for the worse. I just think it's different. I, tr- um, you know what? I, I, I have to admit, I was starting to doubt Mr. Feld, Herr Feld, going in because I read the description. It's like, yeah, I don't know if I like that change from the sound of it. But when we played it, we thought it worked great. And having played both the old way and the new way, it's different. But it's not that the old way was better. It's just different. Um, If anything, the new way um, pushes more interaction. And at the same time, I would say it's almost a little bit more friendly uh, with the way it actually works out. So long story short, um, hey, if you want to play the old way, it's pretty easy to replicate. Just go watch my original run-through as a how-to-play-the-old version. But I think moving forward, Jen and I will play it the new way, and we will love it to bits. My number four of the month, Cocapelli. Then we've got number three, Pandemic Hot Zone Europe. Now, this is actually a combo. This is Pandemic Hot Zone Europe plus Pandemic North America. These are two standalone mini Pandemic Express games. You can get a full experience of Pandemic, my favorite board game of all time, uh, in a fraction of the time. And I thought both of the games are fine as standalones, but they're really simple, really light, and also way too easy. Even if you crank all the difficulty levels up, for an experienced Pandemic player, they're just too easy. So... On their own, North America and Europe, these two standalone games, would rate probably in the sevens, high sevens, which is 
kind of damning praise for me because I love Pandemic so much. But here's the deal. If you get both of these games, and the cost of both of these games is less than the cost of most standalone games today because they're they're really, really inexpensive games. Uh, they are priced to move. If you combine them, you have a new Hemisphere variant. You have to download the uh, rules for this variant on the Z-Man website. And if you're a Pandemic fan, I strongly suggest you do because it's brilliant. What happens is, it's for two players only. I'm playing the North American map. You're playing the Europe map. And we're both playing our own games of Pandemic. We're both controlling our own team. It actually kind of borrows the solo play mechanisms from Pandemic Fall of Rome. But here's the thing. It's not a solo game. It is still a cooperative game. Now, instead of four diseases, we have six diseases. Three on one map, three on the other. Our powers still work. We can still share. We have a communal archive that makes it easier in some ways and harder in other ways to trade cards back and forth as necessary. And it's brilliant. I thought it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Which is saying something, because generally I'm not a big fan of becoming a general where I control multiple characters. But here it was so good. I, I, you know, I, I accepted it. But forget what I thought. My wife, Jen... She says this is likely her favorite way to play Pandemic, period. And we have played every iteration of Pandemic many, many times. We're both diehard Pandemic fans, and my wife really loves it. I love it. She really, 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 really loves it. This was her game of the month, and it's my number three of the month. Pandemic Hot Zone, North America, plus Europe, with the, hem the official Hemisphere variant. Okay, now let's go on to number two, Corrosion. Oh my goodness, um, another one that made my top 10 games of the year. This is absolutely fantastic. And um, like the uh, game I mentioned earlier in this roundup, Gutenberg, what I love more than anything else about this game is how it uses time. The passage of time um, through actual cardboard mechanisms on my board. Uh, you know, things that I have to rotate to represent things happening. And I have everything I do, every choice I make centers around trying to get my the right assets into the right place to combo with other assets on a very, very harsh schedule that I am in control of. Time Passage, like Zulk in the Mind Calendar, or Gutenberg, another one of my top 10 games preliminary of 2021, is, I think, fast becoming one of my favorite um, tropes in the board game industry, and Corrosion does it in such a cool new way, with so many really interesting features, including, most importantly, the fact that you can control time in this game. Most of the time, games like this, time goes forward inexorably, you just have to deal with it. Here, if you make the right decisions, you can feel so powerful, because it's up to you to decide when time moves forward. And it's so important to decide, because as time moves forward, this is a steampunk factory that you run, and the steam is making all of your equipment, all of your engines corrode and rust and eventually seize up and die. You have to throw them away. So, all your machines you build only have so much time, and the more time that passes, that's less time you have to use your machines. Um, and even worse, the building components, the little cogs, they'll rust away too. And so, you don't want to move time forward. You want to spend more time with your machines. But by the same token, this is a deck-building game. And everything is driven by playing cards from your hand. And when you play a card from your hand, it doesn't go into a discard pile. It goes into the factory. And that engineer that you've played, you have to wait two or three or four turns of the wheel. This represents shifts uh, you know, in, in the factory before you get them back. 
And you're desperate to get those cards back. So you're desperate to make the wheel move. But you're desperate for the wheel to stand still. And these two things create such an interesting tension. And on top of that, the game has so much variety. All these really cool special machines you can build that change up from game to game. Cool um, awards, you know, unique bonus objectives you can be chasing after. And of course, the deck building uh, can really mix up. And then on top of everything else, if all that weren't enough, this is a game that does a brilliant job of players being able to follow other players. You know, it's got an idea that goes back to Puerto Rico and earlier, but it's done in a really fresh new way here that I really love, that really leverages decks building in a very smart way. I love everything about this game. It was in my top 10 games of 2021, and I don't see that changing. It's my number two of the month. It's Corrosion, but there's one more, folks. Gollum. Or, I'm sorry, Golem, uh, for folks who are bothered by such things. Although, apparently, if you live in Australia, it's officially pronounced Golem down there. So just imagine I'm down under. Anyway, uh, Golem is another game that made my top 10 games of 2021, and I don't see that changing. This is a brilliant, rich, and vibrant design um, set in, uh, you, know, uh, you know, telling the, the, uh, the, the mystical story of the... Uh, of Jewish rabbis creating golems to help, uh, you know, save their people from oppression in, um, you know, was it uh, medieval Prague, if I recall correctly. Now, the game doesn't go into the dark elements of of these uh, mythic tales, but it does get to the heart of it because the the, the golem stories are all about man's hubris and um, you know a power getting away from them, and that's a big part of this game. Because what we're doing in this game is we are actually building golems out of clay, uh, animating them so that they can do tasks. The game doesn't talk about what the tasks are. Like I said, they kind of uh, they they try to keep the darker portions of this story out. Uh, so we just do tasks, which can score us points. That's great. But here's the thing: these golems are constantly gaining in strength and power, which is represented by them moving further and further to the right on the board, which means they get access to more and more cool special abilities that will help you. But at the end of every round, if you have not trained your students, if you have not given your student pawns enough knowledge so that they can move to the right on the board and keep up with the golems, then the golems are out of control and you lose tons of points. It's painful. So you have this really um, interesting um, conflict of, okay, these golems are going to get more powerful no matter what. So I've got to make sure my I keep training my students to keep them going. But if that's all you focus on, you're leaving so much other stuff. There is so much to do in this game. And if you look at it, I know it's overwhelming. It's a board full of a billion icons. And it takes a bit to get your ha handle on it. But trust me, it does become second nature before your first game is over. The icons themselves, there's a lot of them, but they're all really simple. They're all get gold, get points, convert one thing into another. They're not that hard to figure out. It's just overwhelming when you first see it. It looks like an alphabet soup of stuff, but the actual language that is spoken through these icons is very straightforward. And an interesting thing about these icons, I really respect that publisher Cranio Creations actually went to a very respected... Um, um, uh, Jewish scholar who um, you know was very very big in the academic studies, and he reviewed everything they were doing to make sure they were handling everything with respect and authenticity. And he actually put his name on the game, signing off on it as a game that treats the subject matter well, authoritatively and respectfully. And that is awesome in and of itself. I want to rate the game up higher for that, just uh, to reward Cranio for doing something that everybody in the industry should be doing now. It's that's a great element of Gollum, but you can put all of that 
aside, if you don't care about any of the theme, this is one of the heaviest games Jen and I played this year. It is one of the best games we played this year. I absolutely love it. Just looking at it now makes me jonesing to play it again. And I, I there's so much to talk about. Go watch my run through. I haven't even talked about the marbles. There's a marble shoot uh, in addition to everything else that's going on. Um, I could go on for hours, but I'll just leave it as saying Golem is my number one game of the last month of the year, 2021. And that's it, folks. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Jen and I had a good time this month. Um, maybe a bit shorter list than in the past, but there was a lot going on in December. Hopefully, you all had a good December. Hopefully, happy holidays are in everybody's past, present, and future as we move forward into the new year. I will be back once again to do a roundup at the end of January, folks. And um, again, in the meantime, hit that eye on the top right corner screen if you want to see what's coming soon for the month of January for the new year for 2022. And otherwise, I hope you have a very, very nice day. Thank you very much for watching. And also, thank you to the sponsor of the show, Fun Again Games. Have a very nice day. Talk to you later. So long. Uh, Bye-bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Boom! Hey, everybody! We are out! The show is over! Looks like, I think when we started, I had 90. I've got 80 viewers now, so... Wow! A bunch of you stuck around! Or a bunch of people left and a bunch of new people showed up. But, whoo-hoo! Oh, my goodness. That was a lot. Okay. Uh, now, after I'm done with you, I gotta take that video. I gotta chop off the beginning and the end, because we're about to do some Q&A. If you have any questions for me, if you have any burning stuff you want to talk about Rado runs you want to talk about games you want to talk about pop culture I cannot talk about the book of Boba Fett I haven't watched it yet zip it I want to hear nothing honestly I don't really care that much I'm just as, as I get older and older I find I'm just less and less interested in Star Wars but still I'm planning on watching the book of Boba Fett with my mom next week because she's very excited about it, so no spoilers for her um but anyway if you want to talk no actually probably I would I would say if you want to talk about Matrix 4 if you want to talk about um Spider-Man No Way Home but no I'm sure there's lots of people. Come back in a month and we'll talk about that stuff. But um, hopefully you've got some questions. I'll give you a chance to ask them while I just look to see what happened while I was AFK um, or AFK, AFC, away from chat. Let's see what happened. Oh, we have some more avatar customization requests. All righty, we've got, um, let me see. All right, let me go ahead and give those out. Manage reward requests. Here we go. Do, do, do. Avatar customer. Fake Mr. Rogers. You want it? You got it, buddy. Copy. Um, what is it? It's currency. Give. Fake Mr. Rogers 100. Did I do that correctly? Yes, I did. All right. I will mark that as done. Hooray. Uh, if you were here at the beginning, I was stumbling around like an idiot. I had no idea what I was doing, but hopefully I'm doing a bit better now. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, and the other Avatar customer. Oh, no, no. Okay. Uh, Ang. Ang. I don't know what your name means. It's an interesting one, but let's go on ahead and let you customize your avatar. Currency. Give. Angkurjip. Um, sorry if I'm getting that wrong. 100. Alrighty. Buy yourself a hat on me. Hopefully you enjoy that. All right. Was there anybody else? Okay. So Anchor Jip is marked as complete. Um, and let's see. Everybody else who's requested, you're not. So- Oi. 
Oh, wait, wait, yeah, you're not subscribers yet, but I'll figure something else for you, Abgefervelt and um, Meeples and Mocktails. I will figure something out. And oh, I see while we were gone, Goblin981 requested that there can be only one. Dogs or Star Trek. Oh my gosh. That is obviously something you are throwing at me. So I will, we were going to do, uh, I wasn't planning. I mean, I could wait for Ruel to do this. And he likes Star Trek and he likes dogs. Should I wait? Goblin, are you here? Are you here? Do you want me to wait and do this on the um, on the on the R and R show? So Ruel weighs in on this, or do you want to hear it just from me? If you're here, weigh in. Um, right. Okay, I, I do see you're here, so I'll wait ten seconds until you reply. And in the meantime, I will scroll up because that should have been enough time for people to start asking some questions for the Q and A. Thank you, Mom Gamer. Mom Gamer thinks I'm awesome. I think Mom Gamer is awesome as well. Okay. Uh, why does Australia have a different pronunciation of Gollum? Apart from Lord of the Rings, how often do we use that word? I, that's a very good question. Uh, maybe it is the Peter Jackson Kiwi connection that makes everybody down under pronounce it that way. But I don't know if you noticed, they pronounce all kinds of things in really funny ways down there. So, um, But I'm pretty sure that is just standard, that everybody in Australia, and I don't know about um, New Zealand, pronounces it Gollum instead of Gollum. And I'm sorry, I just can't help it. For people who are very upset that it should be pronounced Gollum, all I can say is language evolves. Pronunciations evolve. Do a search for English words that have changed pronunciation. You will be shocked how many common everyday words that you use that sounded radically different 100 years ago. And you know what? That's happening with Gollum, and that's okay. It's okay that language changes and evolves. Don't let. I used to get so hung up about people saying board game mechanics. Oh, that's a really cool board game mechanic. I'm like, well, let me put my finger up and get really all academic and talk about the difference between mechanisms versus mechanics. I'm like, let it go. Life is too short. You understand what they mean when they say it. It's okay. They're just words. As long as the idea gets across, that's what they're for. Okay. Um, let's see, DTT. I'm just scrolling down, looking for question marks. How long did a game of corrosion take? Let's see here. Uh, Jen and I played it. We played it once. We played it a second time. We couldn't finish it. And then I played a solo game. I'm sure you're thinking about two player. Remember, Jen and I are very slow. And um, it is such an overwhelming game. The first time Jen and I played it, we took over two hours. The second time, we were on track, but things came up and we couldn't stick around, to finish it in probably an hour and a half. Now, here's the other thing. I played it with some other people at the Board Game West Convention. Some of you might have already heard this. Karthik, you may have already heard this. Uh, but in that case, I played it from start to finishing, including learning how to play in under an hour. This game, it's a very, very short game. If I recall correctly, you have four rounds. And in each round, you will do one worker placement action and two marble drafts. So over the, you will take 12 turns over this game. If players are fast and decisive, this is a fast game. If player And this is a game where the world does not radically change from turn to turn. So while you're waiting for your turn to come around, you can definitely plan. I mean, there are some things that might disappear, but the majority of stuff players cannot take from you. So you can be making plans with like a little bit of fallback. If, like, if oh, somebody killed a golem and I was planning on killing my golem, maybe you were planning. So there are some things, but for the, you can do most of the planning. So this game can be very, very fast. But if you play with Jen, it's not going to be. I, I will warn you that right now. Okay. Uh, Dragon Flyby, or Dragon, uh, yeah, 
Flyby. Uh, dragon, just Dragonfly. Dragonfly wonders, why not play uh, uh, the RVRs on Tabletop Simulator? Uh, games like Savannah Park are already there. Wouldn't it make it easier than shipping a game? Uh, yes, it would. Here's the thing. I broach this topic on a multiple occasions with my audience. First and foremost, with my Patreon backers, the folks who keep Rotto Runs Through going by you know supporting the show with monthly donations, and overwhelmingly, every time I brought this up, I brought this up in live chat streams, I brought this up um, with my Patreon backers, the overwhelming response is, we do not want to see Rotto Run Through videos that are digital in, in nature. That we just don't care, we don't want to see it. If you don't have the analog... Pick a different game. And at the end of the day, I got to respect the folks who pay my bills, who literally help me keep the lights on. So that's why I've got no problem playing um, Tabletopia. I think Tabletopia is a great platform. Tabletop Simulator, I've got mixed feelings about it. But if it's an officially um, sanctioned mod instead of one of the many pirated mods out there, that's cool too. I think it could work pretty well, but I'm just giving the people what they want and staying away from what they don't want. And so that is why... Oh, where is it? Hold on. Hold on. See this? See this copy right here? Uh, later on today, if the snow has melted, because, oh my gosh, uh, it was impossible to get up the down the hill this morning. Um, this and this. Not this. Um, but let's see. I will uh, see. Do I keep the giraffes? The, uh, right. Oh, there's the different colors. Basically, th- these and these are going in the mail to Ruel. So, he can play a two-player game with his wife. I can still play a two-player game with my wife. And the two of us will be able to play it when we do the RVR next week. Someday, I will get down to Los Angeles and I will recover what is mine. Um, but in the, it doesn't really matter because really, I'm only ever going to play this as a two-player game anyway. So I don't need all this extra stuff. So that's the plan. I'm pretty happy with it. When it occurred to me, I, I, I could not sleep at all last night. I was up to like 4 o'clock in the morning thinking about Rotto Runs Through stuff and how could I do this. And I realized, oh! I can send half. I was so happy. Um, you know, and Shay's going to be... It's, it's like this whole logistical plan to make this happen. But anyway, you're right. All that would go away if my audience didn't vehemently despise the idea of a video done on Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator. So that's why. It's a good question, though. Uh, Dragonfly. Alrighty. What is the heaviest game I've played? Or one you didn't play because it looked too heavy? The heaviest game I've played... I played a few Spielworks games, you know, Antiquity, um, and, uh, oh, what else? Uh, no, actually, I, I, oops, oh, oh, what just happened? Oh, no! Oh, no! I killed the, I killed the avatars! I was closing PowerPoint, and I killed the avatars! Don't worry, folks, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. They're coming, they're coming. Auto-connecting in five seconds. <laughs> Oh, silly me. Okay. Uh, all right. I think they. I think the avatars are coming back now. Sorry about that. Oopsie doops. Uh, I. I. I've got a two monitor system. I got this monitor and that monitor. That monitor. I was just shut. Okay. PowerPoint is done. I don't need to keep that running. And I accidentally. Um, oh, and I just clicked it and I clicked again because it didn't look like I closed, but I closed the stream avatars. But they're back. They're back. Everybody can continue hugging and um and uh and doing all the rest of it. Let's see. Okay. Um. Sorry. 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 What was the question though? Oh yeah. Honestly, my gut feeling is maybe Arkwright. 
Arkwright really floored us in a big, big way. It had so it was way, 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 way far beyond too much for us. That's the one that left scars, quite frankly. So my guess is Arkwright. And I'll be honest, the masochist in me is maybe why I want to try Arkwright the card game so much. Because apparently it's the heaviest card game of all time. So that'd be my that'd be off the top of my head. Okay. Hello, Rado. Um oh, uh, oh, you were introduced to channel by Selma Bits and Pips. Uh, hi, Coney. Or, or, or hello, hello, new subscriber. And Jay, uh, and, uh, Selma is one of the best. Bits and Pips, folks. I believe if you do a search for Bits and Pips on Facebook, you will find um, the most wonderful uh, board game accessory. It's uh, done by a couple of sisters. And um, they, 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 they do custom uh, dice bags, all kinds of wonderful things. I've talked about their stuff many times in the past. Glad to hear. I mean, I, I, spread, I, mean, I, I think they're wonderful people. And so that is very, very cool. I'm actually planning on playing, uh, circling back to uh, some um, Gloomhaven Digital with them, uh, just because uh, at this point, Jay and I consider them friends. And they said, hey, we'd love to do this with you. So, I, okay, you're friends. I, I can make the time for that. Although we will not be recording it. That will be a private session. Okay, let's see. Looking for more cues. Uh, Tech wonders, have I played uh, Cubitos? Yes, I have. It's a great game, and it didn't quite make my top 10 of the year. Uh, It came up somewhere in like the 20s or something like that. It's a great game. You can watch my run through. It's definitely a keeper. Really, really fun stuff. It might be my favorite race game, straight race game of all time. You know, beating out uh, the race for Eldorado, or the road to Eldorado, and um, what's the other one? Oh, uh, Steampunk Rally. It's so good, Cubitos. All righty. Right. Um, MG wonders, have I invested in virtual lounge NFTs, all that jazz? Um, MG Mom Gamer does not understand half the stuff. I don't either. I understand what they are. I've, met, I've talked to Jen about, hey, do you want to do this? Because, you know, we do, we do have investments. We are modest investors. I had pretty big successes financially back when I was in the video game industry as a creative director for 20 years. So we do have long-haul investments that we can't touch until we retire and stuff like that. Um, Oh, retirement. But, uh, you know, so Jen does monitor those things. And uh, every time I bring it up, she says, no, 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 I refuse. I simply refuse. If I don't understand it, I don't want to know about it. I don't care. The less I think about it, you know, um, you know, what, what's, uh, you know, uh, ignorance is bliss. As long as Jen doesn't know about them, she doesn't know what she's missing. She doesn't care. So we have um, stayed a metric boatload away. All righty. Oh, thank you, uh, Empress, for resubscribing. Although I think maybe that happens on Mac. I'm not quite sure. I don't quite understand how all this stuff works. But anyway, what or see? What makes me think, asked Forest of Glass, that the ruins of Arnak is socially responsible? Um, from uh, Forest of Glass's view, it looked like a general appropriation of Central South American cultures. Kind of gross. Love the play. Couldn't get past that part. Here's the thing, Forrest. I totally understand that. That makes total sense. That that is, at a casual glance, exactly what's going on. But if you read, literally, the fine print throughout the rulebook, there are... You know, there's all the rules, which are very well done, but there are also sections throughout um, explaining the thematic trappings. And the reality of that game is, um, it is it is literally fantasy because we are not um, what they have uh, supposed is a group of Indiana Jones style archaeologists who have literally found a long lost island where um, there are no modern day societal connections to it. Uh, everything has disappeared. Long, you know, long lost. It's all gone. And the rules of what I think is most beautiful about this game is 
the rules are super duper clear that we are there 100% for the advancement of knowledge and science. We are not there for fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. That is far away. Um, and they have architected a a situation where it is not the typical Indiana Jones person coming in and saying, it belongs in a museum in England. It belongs in a museum in America. How about it belongs in a museum in the country of origin, Indy? Come on, man. Get with the times. And the thing is, uh, uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak took that into account and proposed, admittedly, fantastical story where there is not any appropriation. There is not stealing um, ar- architectural antiquities and art from native peoples because there's literally no connection. And the fact, I mean, and I guarantee you they did that on purpose because they did not want to. I mean, they could have just said, hey, this is Deanne Jones and oh, look, we're going to Peru and Fri-. they could have easily done that. That would have been easier for them, quite frankly. But, um, and arguably, it probably would have made a, a more attractive game for some people because they would like the historical verisimilitude, but they chose not to do that. They made a fantastical thing. Never mind the fact that there are spiritual beast creatures that, by the way, you don't kill anything in this game. You have to um, appease the spirits of the land. You don't fight anything. You don't kill anything. There's no violence. It is a game 100% devoted to exploration and the sharing of knowledge. The rules specifically say we are here to collect and share the lost stories of this civilization. And I think that is very socially responsible. I think that was a conscious choice they made. And that's why I I give it a big thumbs up. Um, Your mileage may vary. Totally understandable. But that's where I'm coming from. Okay, um, Cassandra was wondering, how do I compare Sriracha and Overboss? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I would rate, I, I, I rate Overboss higher. I will admit, in large part, because it's about making, you know, 8-bit or 16-bit video game Legend of Zelda worlds. So I am more engaged in the, uh, the literal fantasy I find myself in. Um, Sriracha is, has a lot more I mean, Overboss is very straightforward. Put the tiles down, put other tiles. You're really stressed because you, I mean, Overboss is a lot closer to Cascadia. You could ask the same question, Cascadia or Sriracha. You could ask all three of these because they they all have a lot of the same DNA. Sriracha does have that, um, you know, that element of, oh, I got to pick two things and maybe they won't mesh well, maybe they will. But it has this whole other game to the side of resource management, of getting resources, of having very strict, limited storage to store those resources. And um, the things you're trying to grab are, are, I mean, in these other games, you're trying to grab the landscape and the thing that lives in the landscape. In Sriracha, you are trying to, the landscape already exists. You already have your city you're trying to build. It's your little board. So you are trying to draft the, the things that go into your landscape and the resources you need to build them. So it's a different stress. It's a different tension. It's a different juggling act than either of those other games. That would really be what separates them, I think. Okay, let's see here. Do, do, do. Uh, Force of Glass, yes, you must subscribe to have an avatar. Uh, which I, by the way, if you scroll down below, there's like, there's a whole section called stream avatars below the video right now that goes into the particulars of, you know, how you interact with them, how you can customize them, stuff like that. Favorite, uh, cold weather comfort gear, ask Gator Dave. (laughs) Um, honestly, these slippers, I wear these slippers for six months out of the year. Oh, they are so beaten down. They are so rough worn. I probably need to replace them. Quite frankly, I love that they got a sole, um, girt. 
We have a dog door so that our, our, our beagles, Daisy and Gertrude, can just go and take care of their business in the backyard. But we also have chickens in the backyard, and Gertrude has gotten terrified of those little velociraptors and refuses to go out there. So for the last year, we've always had to take her out, uh, you know, five times a day and let her do her business. And I just love, it's just so satisfying not to have to change shoes. Just to leave these on and just walk out. They're slippers and they're shoes. I love them so much. When the summer comes in, it's too hot and I can't wear them anymore. I kind of feel sad. So I guess that would be my favorite one. Probably not what you were expecting. Okay. Uh, right. Oh, and Goblin says it was aimed at me. But let's see. Okay, so uh, we'll do your this or that, which is an excellent one. Ruel, if you're watching this, watch out. A really tough choice. Star Trek versus Dogs is coming for the next R&R show. Because, um, uh, because Goblin uh, 981 is a monster. Okay. Right. Uh, what uh, game bits out of the plastic are bad for players? Uh, uh, level over for 666. You're asking about... Uh, uh, honestly, I have not played Spirit Island for probably three years. I Honestly, I'm having a hard time parsing the question, but go watch the run-through that Shay just did on the channel today. It'll probably answer your question. Okay, Dragonfly. Uh, oh, he highlighted this, so we will pay attention. Uh, if Dragonfly knows, I have a video game background. Would I consider doing a top 10 video games of the year? Or do I not play? I can't. I have not played a video game. The last triple uh, A, the kind of games I worked on. I worked on Siphon Filter. I worked on Sims for console. I worked on Fable 2. I worked on Brink. I worked on Pitfall. The kind of games I used to make, the last game of those I played was the second Batman game. Uh, Arkham Asylum was the first one Arkham Knights Arkham City I think was the second one I played that one from start to finish on hard mode because that's how I rolled back in the day and the only reason I finished that because by, when I was playing that I was already kind of burned out on video games I only finished that one because I needed to study it to help my company at the time Splash Damage land the job to do the multiplayer for the fourth Batman Arkham game so that was the last one I played I have not I still have my Xbox no I, I have my Playstation 3 and I only have it uh, in case somehow I ever find myself needing to play Blu-rays. And I have not played a Blu-ray for many, many years either. So no, I can't do it. I did do my top 10 video games of all time. And that still stands. If you do a search for Rado Top 10 Video Games, you will see a very weird and eclectic and kind of out-of-date list. Because I have not played a proper big studio game for over a decade now. And I, and I have zero desire to. I just watched a video... The other day, uh, I, I watched a top ten video games of the year the other day, and I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't heard of any of them, or maybe I'd heard of one or two of them, I think, just through osmosis. And I looked at them, and they explained why they were so great, and not even the slightest scintilla of interest was piqued in me to seek out these games. Board games are so infinitely superior to video games, I, I just can't go back. Please don't tell anybody that in case I ever have to go back and work in the video game industry. Of course, I've got my finger on the pulse. Or my thumb on the pulse. Never take a pulse with your thumb because you register your thumb pulse. There's a bit of trivia for you. Alrighty. Um, oh, oh, I like that, Gator Dave. Uh, Gollum takes less mouth movement. Easier equals better. Um, we are all board game fanatics here. We should all appreciate efficiency. Gollum is more efficient than Golem. I love it. I might use that in the future. Okay. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Oh, Sea Otter missed me talking uh, about Tapestry Arts and uh, Architecture because I was back early in the video. It's fantastic. It was my... Um, I, 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 I'm not saying I wouldn't play Tapestry without it, 
But I don't think my wife would. My wife would insist that art board, that new art board is there. And honestly, the art stuff is cool, but the thing that really makes it special is the focus on giving you stuff to do with your big, beautiful little buildings other than just fill in a grid, which is fine. But that's always been just kind of, oh yeah, okay, that's what you do with them. Really, that's all we do with them? Now you can do lots of things with those buildings, and that's what really makes it special. Let's see here. All right. Um, Rado, I am wanting to purchase Western Legends. Was my playthrough good enough to recommend? I, I thought it was a very good game. It's definitely not a game for me and Jen. Totally not the kind of thing we'd play. But I thought it was definitely very well done. Honestly, that's that was just never going to be a game that was going to be interesting to me. I Why did I even sign on to take it? Because I knew I wasn't going to like it. I knew it was going to be for us. I've, it's so long ago, I don't even remember why I said yes. There must have been something that intrigued me about it. But... No, I thought it was very, very good. But, you know, I only played it a bit with the prototype. I filled my run-through, so I am not... I can't speak definitively about it. I am sure there are big fans. Just go to the Board Game Geek and go to the forum and say, Hey, everybody, here's what I like. Am I going to like this game? And I guarantee you, within a day, you will have at least a dozen, if not two dozen, very well thought out and interesting takes that will help you make that decision better than I could. That's what I always recommend. Uh, um, in fact... If uh, whenever anybody asks me about recommending games, hey, I like this game. Should I do that game? My answer is always go to faq.rado.com. Entry number five. That and that uh, check faq.rado.com. Entry number five. That would be my answer. Okay. I see some hugs. I see Thinker Themer is in the house. Hello. Um, we need to talk more. Alrighty, alright, so, okay, yeah. oh, I'm just waiting, I gotta, I gotta pick up the pace, okay. Um, Ac- and Emperor X wonders, was the audio off sync? If anybody else could, uh, I mean, maybe somebody else will have done it. I have, ever since we've started doing streaming, I, I get, every time, there's always one person that says, hey, it seems out of sync for me. I go back and look and it always seems fine to me. Maybe I'm just not sensitive to it. I can totally understand, I can totally bet that lip syncing sensitivity is probably something that some people... Whoa, I don't even notice if it's like five milliseconds off. And other people will notice it if it's just even the tiniest bit off. I don't notice it. Um, I'll be interested to see if other people did. Uh, I hope it's fine. It should be fine. If it's not, I don't know why. And more importantly, I don't know what to do about it. Oh my gosh. Doing these live streams is challenging. There is so much, so many technical hurdles you have to jump through to uh, put on a good show. Okay, what else have we got here? All right. Oh, thank you. Hamman says it was synced for you. That's good to hear. Um, let's see. Oh, and I see Dragonfly wants to bomb me. Okay. I hope it was was satisfying. Uh, all right. Question, question, questions, question mark, questions, question, question, question marks. Doop, doop. See, uh, all right. And, and by the way, folks, I'm I'm only for question marks. I'm skipping everything else, but I always do go back and read everything else after I'm done. And if I miss something important, I will whisper to you. Uh, a couple days after, uh, you might want to get on Twitch and see if you got any whispers from me. Because if people ask a question, I'm like, oh, I should have answered that in the stream. I'll just whisper them the answer. That's my favorite thing about Twitch that YouTube, I wish, would um, implement is that you can send direct messages to people. So if I, if I miss something or, oh, that was really, or thank you. I wanted to say thank you. I, I send out messages after every episode because I watch uh, the entire chat, which I'm just kind of skimming through right now. Uh, let see. Mom Gamer, I see, has a question mark. What is the one thing I enjoy spending my money on? <laughs> um oh. That's I I don't know how to answer that. I'm a cheap cheap person. 
It hurts to send money. Um, okay, okay. I can't say broadly because generally speaking, I do not like. I very. We both Jen and I are super duper cheap. We never splurge on ourselves. We always look. And and the best example I can ex- give for that is, over the last twenty years, I have always tried to keep up and have a decent cell phone that I can use as a personal data digital assistant and all that. So you know you constantly have to upgrade because eventually you know they kind of. You know, the OS makes them not work anymore. It's, it's all a racket, of course. There's no reason that my, um, my old Kyocera um, Wince phone from 20 years ago shouldn't be able to work as well as it does. But for whatever reason, it doesn't. And you got to keep going up. But I have always, every time I get a new phone, I don't. I get a five-year-old used phone for under $100. I've always done that. This, and, and then I always, just like, oh, this is so slow. This is so painful. Google Maps just won't run. Blah, 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 whatever. This year... I cheated. All right, I, I broke the... I bought myself a Samsung... Was this? A Z Flip 3. And I love this little thing so much. Oh my gosh, I love this. I just love doing that. It feels so good. I love doing that. I love feeling like I'm Captain Kirk without having to sacrifice. I mean, this is a flagship phone that is absolutely amazing. Faster than my... Probably faster than the laptop I use. I can see with this phone, with such a big screen, why so many people... For years, why have people spent all their time on their phone when they got laptops? Oh, because they get good phones. They get new modern phones. Now, don't get me wrong. This is a refurb. I got this for 50% of its actual price because I still wasn't going to pay ridiculous whatever. I think these are like 900 bucks, and I got this for like 400 bucks. Um, Jen said, you know what? We, it, it's Christmas. Get yourself one. For once, get yourself a nice phone. So I saw this. It was refurbed. I got it. And this is the best thing I've bought in years. It is so nice to spend money and treat yourself. I never treat myself. I treated myself to this. I love this little thing. Oh, I love the... I, I programmed it. So it, the one problem with it is it had bad battery life. Very bad battery life. I mean, they have a tiny battery to get so much power in such a tiny little um, frame uh, form. So what I do is I, I ran, I'm running a little subroutine that every time I close it, it puts it in power saving mode. And if you do that, it's got good battery life. It's fine. Uh, it's just a little hack you can do to get... If, if you read about the Z Flip 3s, you heard their terrible battery life, just make them go into power saving mode when you close it. You're not using it. It's fine. Um, but then I also, while I was there, I said, let's see. When I close it, it makes a little Mario coin sound. Yay! So that's what I've I've lately enjoyed. But generally speaking, no, I do not enjoy spending money. Um, because it's just, it's kind of an anathema to both me and Jen. I didn't used to be that way. In my 20s, Oh my gosh, I was so fast and loose. I was so irresponsible. And I was so overly generous. I mean, the first time I gave a, uh, a homeless man, you know, on the streets of Seattle, a $20 bill because that was all I had and I wanted to give him something. I mean, Jen just, you know, her jaw dropped. I'm like, what? It's going to be okay. I'll get another 20 bucks. He needs it more than me. I don't do that anymore because after being married to my wife for, um, uh, what? Uh, uh, for over 30 years, um, she has instilled in me much more frugal and responsible monetary decision-making. Uh, and I, obviously, we've changed each other because yeah, that's a successful marriage. We've changed each other. We've adapted to each other. Okay, um, Goblin981 says, As someone who didn't play the game, what did I think of the Uncharted trailer? I don't know. I didn't see the... Oh, oh, the, the movie trailer? I generally don't watch movie trailers. You must be talking. Oops! You must be talking about that, and I couldn't say. I I hate trailers. I hate spoilers. I hate. I, I so I, I couldn't tell you. 
I'll probably watch it. I have to admit, I'm not that into it. I don't care that much about it. Um, these days, pretty much the only movies I care about are Marvel movies when it falls right down to it. Uh, let's see here. Do, do, do. Question mark, question mark. Apologies if I missed any question marks. I'll try to catch them later. What are my thoughts of Brass Birmingham two-player? Oh, it's fantastic. I did a run-through for it. You can go check it out. Did I? I did a run-through for the original Brass as a two-player game with the, at the time, unofficial variants, which have since mostly been adopted and become official. I've always thought it was a fantastic two-player game. I Honestly, when Jen and I played it, we never really felt like we were sacrificing. I recommend it as a two-player game. I don't know if everybody will agree, but it, I can do that in part because I've only played it as a two-player game. And maybe if I were to play it as a four-player game, I'd say, oh my gosh, there's so much missing that this ruins it for me and I can't go back to... I've had that happen sometimes. A game I previously thought, oh wow, this works great two-player. And then I play it four-player like, oh, oh my gosh, I wasn't even seeing half the game. And that's always an eye-opening experience. Maybe that's true for Brass, but as I said earlier, ignorance is bliss. Alrighty. How much so do we get? Um, well, I've been in here for a while, but last I knew, I think we had like five inches this morning, which I know is not a big deal to folks in you know, the upper Midwest or anything like that, but you know, that's very unseasonal. Um, yeah, and, and, and we live at the top of a very, very steep hill. Jen had to go to a doctor's appointment this morning, and it was Harry going down. And when she came back, she found she literally could not drive back up the hill, and she had to park about it's not a half a mile, it's probably like a quarter of a mile away, and then trudge back up through the super steep um, um, uh, hill in the snow. But as I understand it, it's supposed to warm up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's mostly melted away by now. Alrighty. Um, ooh, Sliver says, audio sync is 90% of the time an issue with the individual computer having experienced a delay and not the stream itself. I have certainly heard that. I've certainly heard um, uh, other folks in live streams saying, oh, is that sync for you? Literally just refresh your browser. So maybe that's what it was. I'm not sure. Okay. Oh, Dolomite got at least another inch last night. Yeah, uh, we went to sleep and there was nothing, but oh man, it came down hard and there was a lot this morning. It is nice. It's, it sucks too, because no snow on Christmas Day. No white Christmas. We had a white boxing day. And I'm like, come on, universe. Come on. All righty. Hey, Kabuki Kid is back. You missed everything. The show wasn't the same without you. Now the party can start, but it looks like the party's about to end because I think I'm caught up. Uh, the trailer for Psycho totally ruins it. What were they thinking? Doesn't matter how now, of course. I, I could totally get that. Wow. I am so lucky that I didn't know anything about Psycho. I, I knew, stab, stab, stab. I, I knew the, you know, the trope. Well, I, I didn't see Psycho. I saw Psycho in a film appreciation class in college. And, uh, yeah, I knew nothing. I, I mean, so to me, I mean, I, I, I went in expecting one thing, and then, you know, of course, let's not spoil it. It is what it is, and it goes where it goes, and I was went on a wonderful roller coaster ride. I, I, would it have been cool to have no idea what was coming? To know, to not know that it wasn't coming? But, um, yeah. Anyway. I do, or let's see, uh, Fem Sensei wonders, do I do VR? Uh, yes, both Jen and I do it. We do not play any games. We only... I got an Oculus Quest 2. Right? Is it a 2? I think so. It's the black one. It's not the new wider one. Oh, that pisses me off so much. I finally got one. And then like six months later, they say, Hey, look, here's a new lighter one that's better, has higher resolution, and is half the cost of what you just paid. Screw you, buddy! Screw you, Richard Ham. You missed the window. And that makes me so freaking bitter. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I got it to try to play games. And I did... Pl I mean, I see, I wouldn't consider... This is from the question earlier, do I play big console games? There are no big console games on that. At least there weren't at the time. The uh, Vader Unleashed, that was cool. But it was more of a... 
it, it, it was more of an interactive roller coaster ride, really, when it boils right down to it. It wasn't really a game. So anyway, I got it. I tried several things. Didn't see, find a single thing I liked other than um, using it for fitness. And at first, oh, not Beat Saber. There is a free version, a browser-based version of Beat Saber. I can't remember the name of it now that was excellent. And I started using it for free and doing exercise with it. And it was great. And then we tried Supernatural, which is, I think it's like 60 bucks for a year's subscription. And you get like a personal trainer and you get, you know, personalized. And Jen and I use that. We should be doing it twice a week. Right now, we're maybe doing it once a week, both of us. And uh, New Year's resolution to get back to the super uh, natural VR and, and be better at it. Because we're paying for it. All righty. All right. Um, very big fan from Romania. Welcome, R. Patrice. Welcome from Romania. That's very cool. What are my thoughts on Beast? I looked at Beast uh, many months ago. And I think Ruel did put it on one of his excited upcoming Kickstarters. I pass on it because I, you know... Generally speaking, hidden movement games where one person sneaking around and the other players are trying to find them or trying to avoid them or whatever the case may be, those just generally tend not to work very well for me and Jen. And I mean, I like them in theory, but and I appreciate them when I play them. I mean, mind management is so brilliant, but they just aren't the kind of thing we want to go back to. I mean, there is an inherent trying to beat you, trying to outsmart you. And we would rather just, look, I just want to build some stuff. And I want to feel really good about what I built. And I want to look over and see, oh my gosh, look at what you built. That's really wonderful too. That's what we want to do. We don't want to hunt each other, basically. But it looks really cool, as I recall. Uh, da, 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 da. A star must have come out. Some people were jumping. Can I explain what is going on with Sleeping Gods? Was it already printed or did it not come out yet because you can pre-order it? I'm really confused. I'm sorry, Hammond. I cannot tell you. I don't know. Um, I can tell you my copy, which I very much enjoyed uh, spending a lot of time with, is going to the Dice Tower West Convention Library, so anybody in Vegas in March can play that copy and know that Jen and I played it. But no, I, I, I'm, I'm in the blue. I would I would say go to faq.rado.com slash number five. That sends you to a link where you can get the answers to your questions. Guaranteed. Okay. Would I suggest... A game called Demio for VR. Oh, you would suggest Sea Otter. It's basically tabletop TV. A D&D. I think I've seen that. Or I've seen ones like it where you literally have a D&D table in front of you and you can pick the things up and move them around. That is a very, very cool idea. And at some point, I would like to go back and try Tabletop Simulator because I guess you can run that in VR as well. That's intriguing to me. But really, it's just an exercise machine for us. Okay. Oh, yes, uh, Kabuki Kid, ta- uh, you know, waxing raps are not, you know, uh, regrettably about how T2 was spoiled before it came out. Would have been fun. I can't even imagine seeing that movie blind. But what I can say is, at least if it had to be spoiled, the first time I saw a commercial and the first time Arnie said, come with me if you want to live, I fell off my couch. I had an equally palpable emotional response that I would have had in the theater. Now, I wish I could have had that response in the theater, but hey, at least I got to have it. Uh, and I remember clear as day the first time I saw that, and it just wow. And uh, and then Jen got and I got on a bike. That was back when we lived in Seattle, and we would actually bike five miles uh, to a nearby. It wasn't nearby, but we would bike five miles there to oh, which movie theater was? It was the one that was up on ninety nine, kind of just south of Green Lake, if I recall. We would bike there, and then we would bike back home afterwards because we were young and in shape and disciplined, not like now, old and tired and fat. All righty. Oh my goodness, we're caught up. Hey, everybody, we are done, and it is time for me. Oh, 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 Hammond sneaks in with a, as a new board gamer, 
Do I have any recommendations? Mostly want single-player games because none of my sisters like playing board games. Well, I have done two different top 10 solo games. I did one many, many years ago with Nick Meacham, and then I did one this year with uh, Maggie of Thinker Themer. I, th- those are both. That, that, that would be um, 40 games that you might want to check out that... I think, 20 of them, I think are great solo experiences of a wide range. So just do a search for Rado Solo. You can find that um, old one from like five or six years ago and the one from earlier this year. That would be my suggestion. And I would also, as always, suggest go to faq.rado.com, entry number five. Okay. Right. What are my thoughts on Seven Continent? It's great. Watch my final thoughts. Uh, Seven Continent, I went in deep on. I paid my own money to get all the expansion content, and I was a fool because I'll never get a chance to play it. But I hope to do it someday because I think it's brilliant. Okay. Uh, Kabuki. Nick is still active. I see maybe put he puts out like one or two videos a year. I have no idea what's going on with Nick. I, I wish him well. I hope he, things are going okay. Um, Flick him up. Is it a fun game? I don't think so. I played Flick 'em Up with a group of people once, and it felt like, oh my god, this will never end. It just goes on forever. It needs streamlined rules that just cut to the chase because it just it drags so much. And that is not a popular opinion. And by the way, I very rarely give negative opinions. You kind of snuck one past me, Hammond. Normally, I mean, you'll notice I did not cover Flick 'em Up because I, I when I played it, I was not impressed at all. The Flick 'em Up. Um, Zombie game was much better, but I had problems with it too, which you can see in my run through. Okay. Um, oh, Fem, you used to love my extended plays. I don't do them more. Yeah, I do. It's just my extended plays, I used to, I would play for 20 minutes and then I would play and, and I'd be it. I'd play for basically one turn and then I'd say, okay, if you want to see more, you can go to the extended. And then the extended was another 40 minutes. These days, I just play nonstop for 60 minutes. Um, you know, so I just combine them into one. So you're not missing out. Don't worry. I think you're still getting, on average, just as much content. And if you wanted, after 20 minutes, you could find a break, pause, and then come back an hour later and pretend that we went to the extended play. Uh, let's see. Okay. Yes, I, I, once again, I'm caught up. And before you folks sneak in with another one, I am just going to close it out by blowing you all up real good. Blow it up. Bum, 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 bum. Okay. Uh, run for the hills. You're all going. That's it. We're done. And, um, oh, all you in the corner, you're getting blown out of the corner. Ah, boom, 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 boom. Okay. Um, folks. Uh, all right. Uh, oh gosh, I shouldn't have done that bombs. Okay, Dragonfly. Uh, have I approached previewing a game that I really disliked after a run through? Eh? No. Uh, a cornerstone of my channel is if I don't like the game, and more importantly, if my Jen doesn't, if my wife Jen doesn't like the game, we simply don't cover it. I I I say no to nine out of every ten games that eight publishers ask me to cover because I can read the rules and see, oh, we're not going to like that. Because at this point, I have read thousands of rule books. I can get a very very thorough and accurate understanding of what the game will feel like very often when I read rule books, and so I can decide where we like it, and then I pass if we're not going to like it. Um, occasionally, a game will show up in the mail that I said, yeah, I think I think maybe we'll like it, but I do tell publishers, look, when it shows up and we play it, I reserve the right not to film it afterwards. And that has happened a few times. And then I contact them and say, look, we just don't like it. I don't want to hurt your game. I don't want to hurt your sales. 
Um, so tell me who you want me to send this to, and I'll put it in the mail, and hopefully it'll go to a house where somebody does enjoy this game, and they can talk about it instead of me, because I don't want to crap all over anybody. Uh, because I made the games myself for 20 years, and I know what it feels like to be crapped upon. Okay, that's it. Last time, I'm hitting the button. Let's see. Uh, let's go ahead. Is there anybody to raid right now? Nobody I know. Does anybody have a channel that they recommend? Um, because I don't want to send people over. Hey, wait a minute. Lusapalooza's on. Are you live? Okay. Yeah, I recommend Lusapalooza. Yeah, okay. Lusapalooza. Hey, oh, oh, they're playing, um, uh, Kenitia is my city. That is an excellent game. Um, please go say hi. And if you do, you'll get a whole bunch of channel points that you can then convert into customization points. Or you can use to unlock all kinds of features on future videos. And um, tell them Rado sent you. Let's go on ahead and start that right now. Thanks, everybody, for showing up. It was a very good time. This video will go live on YouTube tomorrow um, in case you missed anything. Or, of course, you can just watch it again on, uh, on what's it as well. But... Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Talk to you later so long. Bye-bye. Raid! Raid! Charge! Go get them! And now I'm watching, and I get to see what happens. All right. Oh, they're talking about Star Trek. And I just raided. All right. And now they're shouting, and they're screaming. And they've got a big, gigantic balloon that explodes into raid balloons. Okay, my worker is done. Thanks for watching, everybody. Talk to you later. So long again. Bye-bye.